Welcome to Friars on Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. Wow, in the same room. In the same room. It's so together. nice to hear to hear Jesse and Tony on the radio, oh, to hear Don and Mud on TV, <laughs> to see some fans in the stands. Padres baseball is back. God, it is. You know, and Padres Twitter is just we are the the fan base is just we're charged. We're electric. We oh, yeah. are we're we frothing. You know, it's it's kind of funny, and I'll, and I'll just kind of just say this out loud because now we're going to be the biatches in in on social media going like, yeah, come at us now. Look who we got. And other teams, other fans will be like, well, you guys had to trade for everybody. You know, they can say whatever they want. As right. long as the team's winning and having fun, oh then I'm going to be happy. You know, that, that's all. That, I, uh, that's what really matters. And if other teams want to hate on it, then that's that's up to them. Dude, when I saw Blake Snell start, I was like, oh, and that's that's. That's Blake Snell. Yeah, and then watching you, you Darvish yesterday, holy cow. And those guys are on. Mm-hmm. Like they were on Darvish through strikes, 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 strikes. Joe Musgrove, too. Yeah, and Musgrove was was almost like a number one. Oh, yeah. And his first outing in spring training. Yep, absolutely. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about the prospects in camp, and there's been a ton of action. And that's another thing I want to talk about, mm-hmm. is how quickly those guys got into games and how surprised I was that they were in games so early. we got a couple new international signings yeah, to cover. Gonna, and later on, we're going to talk to the co-GMs of Lake Elsinore Storm, Sean Brock and Christina Kavik. Oh, excited to have Lake Elsinore, to have Storm Baseball back. God, dude, it's only an hour away, and they yeah. got a bunch of new stuff going on. Uh, it's going to be super cool. Oh, yeah. But let's talk about the prospects. Yeah. First game, I couldn't, like, coming into the game, C.J. Abrams, I'm like, what, what, what? He's been playing in just about every game. I think he's been in every single game. Just about every game. And, and he's s- doing everything. Yeah. He's and- hitting. He's hitting. He's got He's got the speed on the bases. He's being aggressive on the bases. He's throwing the glove. Yo, wherever they're putting him, he's flashing the leather. Yeah. He's doing everything they could ask him. And I, I love his mindset where it's just his, he's keeping his head down, playing ball. Yeah. Well, that's know, that's um, all you can do, and and I can appreciate that. With someone like you know the Fernando Tatis that came in, uh, had the flash, had that you know he'd been there before because his father well, is you know he grew up in a major league team. But there was the year prior when Tatis was kind of the unexpected guy to be invited to camp, yeah. and nobody expected him to do a whole lot. And then he raised a bunch of eyebrows. I think it was it was either Dennis Lynn or AJ Casavell that pointed out kind of a parallel there that here's a top prospect that's showing up and just doing his job and. Looking like he belongs, even though he's barely, is he even 20 yet? I think I he's think 20. He's 20. Yeah. Uh, Hassel the third, was it RH3? Is it RH3? RH3. Both those guys look like they belong. Both those guys have not played a affiliated game of baseball and already are in big league camp having productive games. Um, I, th- I think Abrams played one or two games in Fort Wayne. <laughs> Right. Well, no, I think he played like nine games in right. something something like that. But right. still, it's like that was it's a week of games. But they aren't the only ones making a making an impression. Did you yeah. see Tucupita Marcano showing some some power? Yes, yes, yes. That power stroke. I I was not expecting to see that. The last time I saw him was at the on deck game, um, where he was billed as a slap hitter and all this, and that's what he was doing. He dropped down a bunt. I think he hit a hit a liner right down the third base side yeah. and showed off his speed. But now he's got some pop. And it's funny, when I saw him come in, I'm like, he's almost a veteran. Having watched him and all the other guys at the COVID camp, right. I was like, yeah, Marcano, like, he had really good at-bats at the uh, at, at the COVID camp. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. And then to have him come in here and, and just start hitting and hit the bomb. And once again, so young. Preller has these guys. Here's the thing with this is, it's a, Preller's the guy that, like, if you can play, we're going to play you. It's none of this, well, you're going to wait back in minor leagues and, you know, a couple of seasons in, then we'll get you up front. I think it's a little bit things have changed with mm-hmm. COVID camp and with them being at the alternate site where their, uh, you know, their development was a little accelerated and playing against better uh, competition, you play better yourself. For sure. Um, but I think that's going to continue. You know, that kind of made me wonder, what can Jorge Mateo do that C.J. Abrams can't? Yeah. Yeah, if if they're, if you're going to keep Jorge Mateo on the roster because he's got top end speed, he can play center field, a little bit of short stop and second base. I and mean, C.J. Abrams can do all those things, and he already looks like he's a better hitter. Yeah, and and I'm going to take this track because I think he should be in the minors and developing. I agree. He'll probably start in Fort Wayne. 
uh, high A. He'll probably you know completely skip like Elsinore now. Um, he's there's still lots of refinement. There, there's still lots of development that needs to happen. There could be, but we we don't know. And I could see right. if if he has a strong first half in Double A, just crushing it, and Mateo's sticking around on the roster, not doing a whole lot. Yeah, maybe there's a reason to bring a kid up. Yeah. Who knows? What about Eggie Rosario? Oh my, he's he's looking thick. He's got a strong lower half. That bomb that he hit was a tank. So he looked like a mini Jorge Oña, and Jorge Oña looks like a mini Fran Mil Reyes. God, I look at both of them like, is that Eggie or is that Ona? I, I couldn't tell the. And then they stand the next to thick. each other, and one guy's six inches taller than the other. <laughs> I was surprised. Um, once again, I was surprised on how well. Having watched Eggie last year. Um, you know, he didn't set the world on fire. I mean, the tools were there, but to have him come into camp and you know, perform against major league pitching. Yep. You know, kind of expected that from Ona. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but to see Eggy come in and and perform like the way he has is just it's been phenomenal. Yeah, and that this is a guy that can play second, third, shortstop. Yeah. He can pretty much do whatever they want him to do. So I mean, now's the time for him to to shine because he was one of the other guys that was uh, Rule Five eligible this year. Um, so yeah. Who knows? You know what what's going to happen with this with these guys this year? But it's it's great seeing them get a chance to play in some games and 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 shine. You, so that's one thing that I one of my favorite things about minor league uh, sp- about spring training is when you get late in the game and you get the minor league guys that come in. And traditionally in the past they would pull some some real deep picks, right. some guys that like you really need to know, you really need to follow the organization to even know who these guys are. This year, they're only limited to a pool of 75 players, you know, major leaguers and minor leaguers right. to participate in this wave of spring training. Yeah. And then after they break camp, then the minor league camp is going to start. Uh, so we're missing a little bit of that of guys like Jordan Guerrero or Reynaldo Ilaraza getting to come in and, and make a name for themselves by having a strong inning. Well, Jordan is just, According to his agent Joshua Kuznick, yeah, he's in major league camp, so he could be in games probably later this week. Oh, but that, you're right though with with the with the with the small amount of uh, of players in camp, I've had only look up a couple like the Tillaloo guy, um, the Gasuke Kato, yeah, the local boy. Well, those guys were both signed as minor league free agents this offseason. right? Yeah. and to have them come into camp. And local boy doing well. Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good piece by Kevin AC today, Read today. Uh, about his background. You uh, spent much of his childhood in Japan, idolized Ichiro, uh, and then came back, wound up being a star for for um, uh, Rancho Bernardo High School. Uh, and, and now he finally had a chance to meet Ichiro. And it's I loved that story that it wasn't just he was hoping to maybe get his email address and right, right. exchange a couple questions. And no, he said he invited him to the facility out in Japan to train for three days. I What an opportunity. Dude, that's huge. And did you see recently he was in camp? Yes, he was. <laughs> he was playing right field. And Mike Cameron was playing center field yeah. for Seattle in a, I, in a I, split squad game. I saw the at-bat. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. How'd he do? I think he flew out. the the the, okay. uh, the point of view was just him at at the plate, um, but it was funny because they followed him all the way from the clubhouse through the field, and like guys are, you know, guys are walking by guys, and they look up and they're like, "Do you see him take a second take?" Or like, you know, <laughs> and the other minor niggas trying to look cool, like, you know, give like the heads up, like, "Hey," uh-huh. you know, and Ichiro is just like, yeah. Well, he's like Ricky Henderson. He's one of these guys that's going to be in peak shape forever. He's going to be 70 years old, still looking like he can go out there and steal a base, you know? <laughs> okay, so back to the list Let's here. Let's go back to the list. Okay, so C.J. Abrams, we talked about him. Robert Hassel III. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see any of his at-bats. Have you had a chance to watch him at all? Yeah, several times. Uh, several of his at-bats, they're, they're good. He looks like he belongs. He is uh, commanding the strike zone. He's a little late on some of the fastballs, I think. But okay. that's, I mean, who isn't late in spring training when mm-hmm. you're 19 years old? You know who isn't um, late is Hassan Kim. Yeah, he's been impressing me. You, that's one of the things they they said is how is he going to adjust to velocity? And I think it was yesterday he was facing somebody that was throwing 99, wound up striking him out on a 100 mile an hour yeah. fastball, but he was fouling balls off. He he wasn't squaring them up, but he was on time. Yeah. So that's that's good to see. They, I don't know what kind of work they're putting in with the high velocity gun or what. Uh, but I mean, these guys, these guys are all showing up ready to rock. Yeah, they are. And so Hassel, he's obviously going to be years, away, a couple years away. But he looks like he's having good at bats. I don't think he's had a hit yet. Mm-hmm. He's grounded out a couple times. Uh, he looks solid in the outfield. I mean, he it's it's funny how relaxed he does look out there with the, with the balls hitting the gap. And 
you know, just lazy fly balls that, you know, you just, like, hey, looks like he belongs. All right. So he's on his way. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of the kind of surprising guys that I saw on camp was Reese Kinnear. Yes. And he's been doing well. He's a big guy. I, I met him up in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. So I, I bought the, the Black Friday deal where it's a pack of tickets and a hat. And you get to throw out a first pitch. And so I got to throw out my first pitch. And Reese Kinnear was the, the, the guy who caught my pitch. And he signed a ball for me and everything. And he's a big dude. I don't know what he have him listed at. But he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And he's throwing hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it looks like he's, got, he's figured out some of his command issues that were limiting him in, in Lake Elsinore. See, now, when I was in Elsinore in the camera well there, I... I get to watch him in the dugout farting around. Oh, he's hilarious. Around, you know, pulling pranks on the on his on teammates. Uh, but it's really cool to see him there. Evan Miller also got into a couple games. Yes. Shout uh, out to David Miller, Evan's dad. Yes, Dave. Do you want to talk about it? What, about Ryan Weathers? Well, the, the Weathers report, dude. Yeah. He might. He just might make the squad. He very well might. He looked so good when that when that first day when the pitchers and catchers were reporting yeah. and the pictures, I didn't I couldn't I, recognize him. I didn't recognize. I thought him it was Pierce Johnson or somebody else on the pitching staff. I was looking I at the long hair. Panic! I'm like, it's panic. And then and I was like, no, that is Ryan Weathers. He must have lost another twenty or thirty pounds. I think he lost fifteen pounds. Okay, I think he lost fifteen solid. Pounds. Well, he he's looking good. And then he gets on the mound and it's just he's throwing BBs. He's yeah. he's commanding the strike zone. He's working all of his pitches. And the guy looks like he belongs. So I don't know if they want to make him a starter. Maybe they hold him back. If right. there's an opportunity in the bullpen, maybe they pull him up. I don't know. But whatever it is, he's rolling. And it's it's so great to see for a friend of the podcast. Absolutely. And with that, he can start this season in the bullpen. And as, it, as the season goes along, maybe they sit him back down. And, okay, like we've, we've we picked up a guy or something you know? else like that. And they... Can be a starter. That's that's a good year. point because it used to be the camp would break and then there was like a maybe a two week lull and then the minor league teams would start up and so if a, if somebody was held back and extended spring training for a couple of weeks wasn't that big a deal because then they're in games. Right. Where now if he gets optioned to the minors, he's back in Peoria for a full month month plus because I think May fourth is about when most of these teams are starting up the regular season. Yeah. So then would it be more beneficial to keep him on the major league roster where he can stay hot? And then option him. Get more. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's something to, to to follow. Whatever it is, we know that Preller's going to do the right thing. He is. Do yeah. the right thing, kid. Yep. No, it seems like he's been making sound <laughs> choices with all of these guys. Um, and, I mean, Mackenzie Gore is on your list. And it from the sound of everything, something was off last year. His mechanics were out of sequence. There was yeah. something that just wasn't working. And now he comes out. First inning, he was having a little trouble commanding. Whatever they said to him, he comes out and just looked fantastic that second inning. Yeah. And and that's the thing I've found with, well, this is what I'm going to say about McKenzie, is like when he was at the Futures game, much ballyhooed. And, you know, you can't not have it hear about it. You know, as a player, you can't hear and read about all the things they're saying about you and all these expectations that not only does the you know world and organization put on you, but... You sometimes put those on yourself. Mm-hmm. So at the at the, the futures game, first guy he walked. I mean, he, he picked him off the next batter. But like those nerves, I think they're gonna take a little bit. True. So your first big league, not first second big league camp, but like your first you know time after kind of a funky year. Mm-hmm. There's probably some nerves there, and then the there was nerves with jitters. everyone. Right. Yeah, maybe. But once that guy settles down, you, you do not want to be at the plate because right. he's just going to smoke you. So there was a discussion going on about who's going to be the, the opening day starter. And opening day starter really is just a it's it's a gimmick almost when you think about it. Yeah. Because after the first week of the season, it doesn't matter who's the number one, who's the number four. It's you're just got a spot in the rotation yeah. and you're going to go. So if there are people that maybe don't don't like that attention or that focus or they have a heart because the the whole routine is different because they've got all the pregame stuff so the preparation is a little bit different maybe it does benefit you know maybe if if you darvish isn't going to be the guy um you know that he's got he's very routine oriented for example i don't know if he is or not right and then musgrove is somebody that you can just throw out there and he's like whatever tell me when to be on the rubber right, and, I'll, right. and i'll get up there and start th- throwing fire that's east county for you baby. yeah i because somebody was saying make joe musgrove the opening day starter and like you said, he looked like an ace out there the other day. Absolutely. So right now you've got at least three starting pitchers that should all be like one one A. Right. You know, it's not like you've got this major drop off. It's not like 
and we're used to having Clayton Richard as our opening day starter. No knock on Clayton Richard. Great guy. But he's not an ace. Yeah, Brian Lawrence. Yay! Now we've got like two and a half aces, and by the end of the season, we might have five. Yeah. So, good good point. I, I don't know. I um I, I just feel like Snell might be the guy. Yeah, probably. Uh, although, you know, Darvish had a better year. Honestly, to me, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. I'll be happy to cheer for whoever's up on the mound, and they're going to give the team a chance to win. Absolutely. So then the last guy on our list here is Jorge Oña. And Has boy, did he get into one. <laughs> in the wind, hurricane force winds, blowing in from left field. Oña's like, hold my stick. Yep. Boom, crushes the ball. Now, I, you know, there's much said about, is he going to be able to stick in the outfield? Is he going to be able to you know, catch rundown balls in, in, in the gaps? I think we're two years, we're, we're one season away from the universal DH. I think it's still going to happen this year. You know, um, so they're going to have some update to their health and safety protocol, whatever, and it's going to be a thing. You can't take pitchers that weren't hitting all at all last year. They weren't working on base running. They weren't working on bunting or any of that. No, forget that because I'm not. I don't have to. But the bunting videos on Twitter, the bunting videos. Ah, come on. <laughs> I like Darvish's idea. What is it like? Anyone over thirty doesn't have to bat. No, no. It was that he should be given the option to choose whether he should right, bat or right. not. I love that. <laughs> Say that before the game. Okay, yeah. he's not going to bat, or he's going to bat. Yeah. Um, but so there is a future for him on, on, you know, on this team. Be it a fourth outfielder, maybe making the squad out of the out of spring training. But there is a future for him on the team. I, I think. Well, there's a future for him one way or another. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily see a spot on the team. He can't play center field. You got a ton of guys that can play the corners. I, I, I have a hard time. So unless a couple injuries happen and he's just tearing it up in the minors, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Well, you know, they've been playing Marcano in the outfield as well. Right. Yeah, so. they said that they would give, uh, they'd give Cronenworth a look. They'd give Kim a look. Uh, and, and, I mean, you've got Profar now. Mateo's still on the roster. I, you got a lot of guys that can play. I, I've noticed Profar made a couple starts in center field. I, I haven't had a chance to see what he looks like out there, but I, I wonder if they're trying to get an idea on him. Where can he slot in that depth chart? Yeah. Because if he can be there, you, it's like Brian O'Grady and him are are battling out for that backup center fielder job. And both are going to make the squad because they, they signed O'Grady to a full, to a major league deal. He, huh? he has minor league options. Ah. Yeah, he does. Okay. So he can be optioned down. Profar cannot. Yeah. And neither can Mateo. Yeah, that's well, well, you know that, and those that's going to happen this season, or it happens every year. I'm sorry, um, those guys to get released. Yeah, well, and this year with the you're going from 60 games to 162, there's going to be a lot of shuffling to try to manage guys' workloads. So I don't know if you look at somebody like Profar and look at him as a as a durability risk. Probably not, but maybe you know somebody like Tommy Pham that's got the injury history, the recent injury history. Maybe he'll see some DL stints. Yeah. So if you can cycle some guys to the minors that helps kind of stretch everybody out so again another thing to to keep an eye on Whew. so God, it's just fun to watch baseball it is so much it fun is. to watch baseball but there's still international signings yeah so a couple international signings this week so the Padres picked up the what what is what baseball america calls the top pitching prospect out of mexico 17 year old victor laraga six foot four 185 uh, has a fastball that's hitting 89, 92 at 17 years old, developing a curve and a change. Baseball America rates him as a top prospect out of Mexico and number 34 on their 2020-21 list. Now, he's been connected to the Padres for quite some time. And, and I think that deal has just been a, a long time coming. Right. Maybe he's been kind of consummated or not consummated. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. It, you know, it's been agreed upon, but not really. The paperwork hasn't been done and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. But this other name, I this was a new name to me. Yeah, seventeen-year-old right-handed pitcher Riley Yeatman is by the team as the top pitching prospect out of Australia. Yeatman is another six-foot-four, hundred and seventy pounds, a little bit thinner. Uh, he commands a fastball eighty-seven to ninety with a big twelve-to-six curveball. This past winter, he was the uh, youngest member of the Adelaide Giants training squad. So I don't know if that's any different than the team itself. Or if the, the training squad that they may have. That sounds like an alternate site kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but just being around, you know, players at your country's highest level is is, is a big deal, I suppose. Is huge. Yeah. 
and Jared Dale had a pretty good year. You know, when I think of Australian baseball players, oh, that's the name Dale. that comes to mind because yeah. I'm waiting for him to come stateside and start seeing what he can do. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a global sport, and AJ Preller and his team they they recruit globally. So spanning the globe. Welcome to another Aussie, <laughs> Riley Yeatman. Absolutely. Well, and, and it's it's funny to get someone like a number thirty four for Baseball America's list so late in the season. Yeah, and like you were noting, I think it just has to do more with uh, you know working out the details of the contract, the the negotiation or whatever. Um, so it it it's just a matter of it's. It's the it's the nitty gritty details yeah. that yeah. lock that up because he's been I've heard his name connected to the Padres for at least six months, so it could have been they could have done it back in January when the period opened up, or they waited a month and a half. Yeah, well, hey guys, you know there's not a lot going on these days in the minor league, so we're not going to be broadcasting every week, but certainly we are going to do our best to bring you guys the best of minor league content through the uh, spring training and once the big league starts playing and then the minor league guys go in. I think we'll see a lot more, um, a lot more, uh, a lot more episodes coming forward. Yeah, I'll be looking to the guys, the scouts out there, who yeah. post their videos and give little updates about what they're seeing on the back lot. Since we can't go and be on the back lots, yeah, yeah. I know there are people that can. So, like the Eric Loggenhagens of the world that that put in the work, yeah, so that we can get a little little glimpse on what's going on back there. All right, but meanwhile, stay tuned for our interview with co-general manager Sean Brock and Christine Kevick of the Lake Elsinore Storm. Hey, we're joined here with Sean Brock and Christine Kavik, co-general managers of the Lake Elsinore, Lake Elsinore Storm. Uh, you know, it's there is hope on the horizon, guys. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for asking. Um, it, it, there is hope, and we're we're definitely moving forward. Today's uh, I'm doing great. Today there's hope, and maybe tomorrow there's even more hope because. The rules change every other day, so we're good. <laughs> so I, I guess right now we're talking about the, the tiers, the level. Like right now we're in purple tier, and they're saying that we're probably going to go to red starting uh, April 1st, which for the Padres, that's opening day, April 1st. But for the Storm, opening day is what, May 4th, I believe? Yeah. Uh, first home game is May 11th. Okay. So uh, you guys – so you have a little bit of time, you know, if the, if the rules change, you have a little bit of time to adapt to that, right? Yes. Yeah. So what does that mean for you guys? What kind of, is that like a 20% capacity? Is it specific number of people allowed in the venue? Well, it, it, it's changed and, and it, we've become uh, quickly become experts in, you know, guidelines and what's changed and what gets, doesn't get changed. So theoretically April 1st, even in purple tier, which is where we are right now, we could have a hundred fans, which would be less than uh, less than awesome. But um, <laughs> I think we get, uh, with red now, we will get to the 20%, orange 33, and yellow 67, which um, the guidelines as of literally last Wednesday, that was completely different. We were hoping to get to, you know, at yellow 25%. So it, it's good that they've they've made some modifications. So there's certainly hope on the horizon, and uh, I, I cannot wait. Like, we... Like for me and Roy, I think the only two sports that we follow were baseball. Roy does a little bit of golf. My wife and I are strictly baseball people. So to have you have minor league baseball back and, uh, you know, the storm is so close. Uh, we're just stoked to get up there and, and watch, um, watch minor league baseball. So, hey, you guys got a brand new 10-year agreement partnership with the Padres. Now, I don't see anything too much changing, but, but how does that change kind of the way you guys run up there in Lake Elsinore? Just like you said, I'm not sure really it changes, you know, our our direction too much on how we normally run and operate things. Um, you know, we've been partners with the Padres for quite a while now, and and the relationship is strong, and we can sit, we, you know, it will continue to be strong and grow stronger. So as far as our operations, it won't really change much, and our fans are, you know, just as excited as we are to get back to baseball. Now, there was a change in level. The Storm used to be the advanced single-A affiliate of the Padres, and now I guess they're what's called Class A, uh, where you've got Class A and High A. Um, is Does that change anything from like a marketing standpoint, from marketability of the players or anything like that? 
I don't think so. I, I, I think that, you know, at our level, it, it's really about the fundamentals of building the, building the game and, and getting these guys started out. I mean, um, you know, the, the most interesting thing is that, you know, it does make it a better path for the players. They go Peoria, us, then, you know, then back east, as opposed to going, you know, Peoria, Fort Wayne to us, then back, you know, so it, it, it's a better progression. And, uh, you know, uh, low A, high A, you know, the, the game's the game. And, you know, it's really about entertainment and keeping everybody, you know, keeping everybody happy. The fans are, you know, the fans are excited no matter who's playing. They just want to play ball, watch ball. You know, that's kind of funny because the first question that I would ask guys that came uh, from Fort Wayne is, how did you like the snow? And they were always like, oh, that was our first time. You know, Teresa Ornelas, um, uh, Luis Patino, those guys, they just, they had never been to snow before. And to have them start out, have the young guys start out in a warmer climate, makes just, just kind of makes more sense where you can kind of build a routine, um, kind of get an idea of how, you know, a minor league season or a full minor league season would look like. And, and then you can make the adjustments in the snow because, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, there is the beginning of the season. It's kind of cold in a lot of the areas uh, of the country. So, you know, we're pretty engaged with the Booster Club. Um, and so having a bunch of host families there in Lake Elsinore, I feel like that's going to be a bit more of a soft landing spot for the players rather than in Fort Wayne. Most of the guys were in apartments uh, and we talked it's not just about developing baseball players. It's about developing adults and they have to learn the habits of paying bills and, you know, managing a schedule and all that. So hopefully the booster club being more involved in Lake Elsinore will, will help them a little bit on their first steps. Have you guys had much involvement with the booster club? I know you guys are both relatively new to the storm organization. Um, We are both relatively new to these positions um, at storm. Um, we have a good relationship with um, a few of the Booster Club members, and I assume that, you know, things will continue to be strong there as well, um, and we'll do what we can. You know, obviously with health and wellness and whatnot, there's some concerns, but, you know, when things are all back to normal, you know, the relationships and whatnot will continue to grow. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Are, is the host family program going to be an option this year? Uh, we haven't gotten complete guidance. There's, you know, but, you know, it's hard. at this point, it, I would guess, no, it's not going to be an option this year. Well, I would think with them making a little bit more money as well, that they can they can probably start rooming with other players and, and that kind of be the case. Right. But it has more to do with the health and safety protocol uh-huh. and, and trying to limit yeah. uh, interactions with other people. And I right. hadn't really thought about that. So I, I, you know, we get to know the host families <laughs> and a lot of these people have done it for 10, 15, 20 Absolutely. years and the kids wind up becoming, they, they have, they form lasting relationships yeah. with their players that go on far beyond, you know, so it, it really, it's like they had an exchange student or something like that. Uh, and I know that those guys are going to be missing out this year, but yeah, if whatever gets baseball back on the field, it's a step in the right direction. And maybe we'll be able to come back to that down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, can you guys, can you talk, take us through the process of becoming the partner? Uh, you know, we've covered this extensively on the podcast with, uh, the, the agreement, um, how some facilities had to make adjustments with their, you know, the upgraded facilities uh, for the players. Um, did MLB give you the guidelines and then say you have this long to fix it or were you guys already in compliance with the new guidelines that they have or can you walk us through that a little bit yeah we've got we've got you know some play some some growth that we're going to have to do there's some things that we're going to have to uh update at our facility um really actually minor things on the home locker room side uh we're going to we're going to shuffle some things around and move a wall and we're we're doing a really good remodel at the end of the at the end of the season. So to kind of really, you know, get the training area up to speed, add the new commissary that they're talking about uh, that needs to be in there. The visiting locker room is going to be a little bit more of a stretch for us because there's only uh, like 2,400 square foot of space in the visiting locker room. That's counting the umpire room and we need to have 2,550. So we, we, we're going to have to, you know, do some finagling. We have, we have a few years to, to be at full compliance um, you know, in fact, this year, I don't think they're doing any sort of, uh, they're not doing any marking off or, uh, on the grading Rubik, uh, next year, I think we have 30 points that we could, you know, technically lose, um, uh, and then 20, then 15 and 
it, it goes down to 10 at the very most that we could lose. I, you know, um, there's some other minor things that we'll have to do, but our lights are up to standard. Our fields up to standard. All the big things are there. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's kind of just making sure that there's enough space. And, you know, our facility is, you know, even though she's 28 years old, uh, she's, one of the nicer ones uh, out of out of all of them, you know, in the Cal League or the yeah. Low A West, as they're as we're called now, <laughs> temporarily. Do you think the name, the Cal League name, is going to come back? Uh, all depends on the the uh, negotiation between Major League Baseball and the Cal League, <laughs> because technically the Cal League lo- owns the name right. Cal League. So you know, but I, I think oh. that there's. I think that there's conversations going on and it, it, it'll all work itself out. And this will stay. It's just kind of weird, you know, but while they may have got it back East with a, with a different league, they just went with the system this year so that they had time yeah. to get it. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think what's going to happen is each league will, it, it, you know, Kelly could be Kelly league, but each league is going to find its own kind of identity. Um, it's what triple a West, triple a central, triple a East. That's, not as cool as like the Pacific Coast League or, you know, that's been around forever or the International League that really no longer had an international team because that's why they call it the International <laughs> League so long ago. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a sense of history attached yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The California yeah. League has been a thing for over a century now, I think. Yeah. It'd be nice to have that continuity back again, even if it isn't, you know, literally continuous. It's still, a, uh, it harkens back to bygone days. Yeah. Okay, so COVID-19, uh, this whole last year, the storm seems one of the more uh, more aggressive organizations as far as community outreach, uh, engaging with the people in the community, not necessarily specific to baseball, uh, but, but related to all kinds of other things. Um, can you take us through some of the things you guys have done with your community this year? You know, starting at the beginning of the last year when we started going through these challenges, you know, we did what, you know, what storm does best and you know come together and what can we do for our community you know it was no different than what we were doing for our fans um and we just turned it you know outwards outside the stadium so you know initially one of the first things that we did was um create a marketplace um within our restaurant that um we had you know those staple items that were hard to find in the grocery stores and opened up to um our community you know, we did um, uh, uh, meal distribution, um, prepackaged meals um, families could buy and then donated, um, you know, for every so many meals to those in need. We did numerous, um, you know, Feeding America and um, uh, five that fed 5,000 meals at Thanksgiving. And, wow. you know, throughout and throughout all of this, we also um, did our drive-in movies and later last year did drive-in concerts. And those have been fantastic. I'll, I'll let Sean speak a little bit on those. Um, they've been great. Yeah, you know, we, we started doing the drive-in movies very, very early on. And, you know, uh, I think April of last year was our first one. Maybe it was May. I, I, I don't know if it kind of blends together, but you know, we, we did it. Uh, <laughs> we were sell, we were doing extremely well. And then uh, right around August, September, we, we kind of pivoted a little bit. We went to more of a, um, it was actually fundraisers. So we would have a fundraiser group that, you know, they weren't having any options to fundraise. So, you know, they, we, we gave them a base, you know, base ticket cost and then they could charge whatever they wanted to for their tickets. And, you know, they received the the, uh, the funds there, and then we also had uh, the opportunity to get uh, a percentage of the food and beverage out of the restaurant that was going at the same time. So, you know, we did that August, September, October, November. Like it, 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 it was, yeah, like it was really good. You know, we took we did the the big feeding in November, and then we took most of December off to kind of relax. And you know, obviously, we went into that tough you know stricter stay-at-home orders so we didn't even though we were still allowed to we didn't want to continue um you know we just flying down under the you know not under the radar but just kind of laying low i guess and then in you know january we started back up and we just had our first concert uh of this year which was a sellout it was awesome it was uh queen nation oh it's queen nation (laughs) my wife (laughs) big queen fan and we almost drove up there the other night just to catch that show uh, it, it was awesome. We we had way more people than, you know, we actually, we had more people than we were supposed to in the beginning, not supposed to, but, but we, we, we oversold GA a little bit, but it was okay. 
you know, a glitch in our ticketing software, but it was great. I mean, there was a ton of people. It was fun, you know, uh, and we're continuing that. We got con- we're driving concerts every two weeks yeah. for the next five, four weeks. So. Awesome. And that's a creative way for the, the team to, I mean, times are tough. You missed out on a whole season, so you have to generate some revenue somehow. Uh, I realized that we jumped straight into the questions and we skipped over the introductions. So you guys are co-GMs, but your your roles are, are divided a little bit differently. Um, can you give us each a breakdown of, of what you guys are responsible for and also a little bit about your background, where you guys come from? Sure. So... I'll say it the best way that we know how. So Sean is CEO and I'm CFO. So he pretty much takes care of everything on the, the top line and I take care of on the bottom line. He brings in the money and I make sure we're spending it appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so background a little bit. Um, I've actually only started in baseball in 2017. I came from, I've been in accounting for over 20 years and most recently was in the pharmaceutical industry and you know I own my own business in the early 2000s um, sports and fitness um, related and always wanted to get back into it and here I am yeah she she says you know she she tempers my crazy ideas so it's really awesome (laughs) I'm like hey what do we think about this and she's like no no that's gonna cost way too much I mean, I, I kid, but you know that we do have a really good dynamic to, of back and forth and making sure that you know we're we're you know uh, everything is to you know move the goalposts down you know a little bit further and you know try to make sure that we're you know serving the community and driving you know driving our operation to be the best that it can. Um, you know, I, I actually started with the team in 2019. Um, that was my first season, so I got one under my belt. Uh, I started as a consultant with the uh, the food and beverage operations and uh, operations operations, kind of just helping uh, untangle a pretty challenging mess that they had. Um, you know, food and beverage operations are challenging everywhere. Um, you know, before that, I've worked with uh, <laughs> I, I've worked in the the beer industry as VP of operations for a local craft brewery, um, and you know, a lot of CPG, a lot of larger yeah. operations to making you know making things you know, work that aren't working. So, you know, and it just kind of everything unfolded. So, Well, well, as a food service manager that's been in the business about 25 years, I understand the mess that a a food beverage operation could get into uh, if it's not watched over and and, and taken care of. And uh, it it can get pretty sticky. So you guys use your prime vendor to buy products directly from your vendor and then sell them at cost, right? Uh, for the for the market oh yeah 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 we we you know you couldn't go to a state of brothers or you know any grocery store around here and find ground beef chicken <laughs> toilet paper you know like anything but shamrock they were awesome because they had the exact opposite they had a ton of restaurants that were shut down and a, you know a bunch of inventory so you know it was you know we we had to repackage a lot yeah. um you know which was really fun and interesting taking you know the bulk 40 pound cases and you know teaching my uh, <laughs> uh teaching my sales guys all right this is how you cut a chicken breast down and this is what we want to get to the right point you know thing because it was all of our staff that we had it was you know front office staff that were you know kind of manning this that's the know, thing about so. minor league baseball is like all hands on deck all the that's time that's absolutely right and you guys are pulling tarps you know you guys are serving sodas um that's funny that you got hey next time you need something like that call me I, i'm a certified chef and uh I could break down a chicken in eight pieces in about a minute and a half, <laughs> and I'll do it for. That would have been great to know. <laughs> All right, so we're looking forward to this next season, and I understand there have been a whole bunch of improvements um, to the to the facility, to uh, the tap room, to uh, around the stadium. Um, so, can you take us on a little bit of a virtual tour of what people will see uh, when they get the chance to come visit the diamond? Can we get this one, Christine? Yep, go for it. <laughs> All right, I, I like talking about all of our new toys. So um, the, the least interesting one and the one I always start with is our actual wall. So that the big green wall has been uh, replaced. In fact, in that replacement, they, they we were trying to save the old manual scoreboard that Jackpot popped out of. Oh. They, they took two panels off and it disintegrated because oh, of- no. <laughs> yeah it, it was oh, it was God. sad um is jackpot that- still going to be out there doing right, the robot dance after after big plays 
we got to figure out how we're going to utilize it and what the protocols are. But yeah, we, we still have jackpot. We still have plans for jackpot, mini thunder, thunder, you know, but yeah, the, the big green wall has been, you know, completely, um, completely redone. And, and it's kind of weird to sit in there because there is not one, uh, banner on it. And there hasn't been because we redid it in the off season 2019 and we haven't put any banners back on it. I mean, we're going to start that process now, but it's still, it's a nice, cool blanks blank slate. But, uh, we did that. Uh, we got um, two new video boards, so we replaced the right field one. Uh, we were going to get a huge right field video board, but uh, they changed the standards for um, the wind load, and there's a bunch of different terms that they told they threw at yeah. me, and I was like, okay, yeah, great. And so what we did instead is we we replaced the uh, smaller one in left field. So big bigger board in right field, uh, the smaller one in left field. So they're both HD. They're both really cool and neat. In addition to that, the um, lighting has been upgraded. We have LED lights throughout the whole stadium, so you know we we, we meet all the new facility you know facility requirements that the MLB has. That's great. Uh, the we replaced the audio video uh, for the whole stadium, so all of our old speakers are all brand new JBL speakers nice. throughout the whole stage stadium. We also have a um, a five camera system, so we'll actually be able to uh, broadcast on. Uh, uh, MLB TV. Woo! So, hallelujah. Yeah, I, think, I think we may be one of the only ones under the new guidelines that'll do that. And I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard back from some of the other teams, but you know, we'll have a four camera operation. We've got instant replay. We've got like, it, it's, it's pretty intense. The, the stuff that we've upgraded up there and even down below. So it's well, nice. And so you've had to hire people to do that. that. Like you didn't have that staff before. So a lot of these adjustments uh, and improvements are adding to you know the local job economy like the, like those production guys are you know it's a it's a specified position yep. that's fantastic yep. we, we did uh john gripe we we hired him uh this year, past year on the record or i guess year year before end of the scene i think beginning of 20. yeah uh and he, he's great he's been you know playing with all of our stuff and helping us with the movies and getting everything up and running uh Let's see. We did digital signage on all of our concessions. Cool. Um, That's cool. The restaurant is now open. So, uh, you know, the Diamond Club, I remember the Diamond Club because I went to the stadium in 94, 95. I lived in the area. And I always, you know, the same thing that I hear that I even is like, I always thought that Diamond Club, that was an exclusive thing. To, you know, if I, I got to have another ticket or something to go yeah. in there because, you know, well, we, we changed the name to Little Rebranding. Um, it's called the Diamond Tap Room now, um, and it's open year-round. I mean, we opened in February, closed in March, <laughs> opened in September, closed in. But it, it, it's actually, it's actually, it's it's clicking, it's clicking really good. We got a lot of good, you know, you know, uh, summerly the the community next door is supporting it really well. You know, we've been doing now that we have the ability to live music on Friday, karaoke nice. on Saturday, nice. and it's just, I mean. There's no other venue like it. You can sit there and just look out over the field, watch Anthony and the guys, our, our field guys, you know, uh, bring it back to life after, you know, going uh, going dormant. And, you know, it's really awesome. So so there's going to be, is there going to be karaoke during the game? No. Uh, ah. We're going to have karaoke after, just after the game. <laughs> at, just after the game. Like, we, we've, we've talked about that. We're, we're going to go on our Saturday games. It'll be after the game. Well, oh, my God. How great would it be if you had karaoke during the game and then you just, without telling anybody, put them up on the big screen and pumped it through the whole stadium? <laughs> it'll be their, well, their walk-up song. Oh, that's well, actually the funny, the funnest part about all of these upgrades and everything that we did. Oh, I forgot about the E-Zone. Uh, all of these upgrades that, like, we're able to, so the people that are coming for karaoke, you know, we're videoing and then we're throwing them up on the big screen right now. And it's just kind of a cool, that is cool. you know, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a real fun, you know, you, you don't Look, get I'm that on anyway. TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we might have to drive up there, but my wife and I might have to come up there just to do some karaoke. karaoke. It's been way too long. <laughs> okay. So what was this about the E-Zone that you mentioned? Uh, so uh, it was supposed to launch in 2020, but uh, in the tap room, we have, uh, I want to say uh, 16 systems, um, most of Xbox, some are switches, some are, we've got two gaming PCs and we're kind of seeing once we're able to open what, what direction it goes and then we'll, we'll add some more, but, um, it's basically a, a place where you can go, you know, the kids can go, right. you know, rinse an hour, sit and play video games and, you know, uh, just 
have fun. You know, we've got gaming ca- gaming couches in there, and we've got tons of TVs, and you know, the the ability to you know matrix it and put it. You know, if we wanted to put that on the big score, big screens, or you know, on any of the screens, we can do it. And it's really cool that we have that. And it was literally like we, every time we go to launch it, we haven't been able to because. Of that. <laughs> I can see that being a big hit for like birthday parties and little league parties yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Well, and it's yeah. not going to take away from the from the from the slide down the grass now, is it? Uh, no, no. Oh, the netting. We did have the netting too. We added netting all the way around. Okay. So. so does the <laughs> netting yeah, go no. all the way out to the foul poles? Uh, net, netting goes all the way to the uh, foul pole on the right on the uh, on right field. Okay. Just short because of the deck and and the elevation on the deck. We don't it does, didn't need to go down. Okay, good because I'm sure everybody has a horror story about that. But I I used to go to Rayleigh Field in Sacramento, AAA ballpark, and there was there's a just like at the storm. There's a, a grass slope up the mm-hmm. right right foul side, and there was a a foul ball that went that way. And it was late in the day. The sun was was low, and it's you can't see the ball at all when you're over there. And a kid got hit in the head, and I'm I'm pretty sure the kid was okay. But I mean, I could hear it sitting all the way across. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that just makes you sick. De- definitely and, a safety issue. In like yeah, it it gets a little like Hunger Gamesy when it comes to a foul ball. Like the kids are, <laughs> and I can just see like, every time a foul ball, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, they're all running. And they can fall down. You know, the smaller children are getting trampled by their taller kids. Well, um, the players can still lob a ball over yeah. and you yeah. know, give the kids a souvenir. Uh, they're just not going to have to be catching. Some of these line drives are coming in 100 miles an hour. And good luck catching that, especially eight-year-old that can barely play catch. Yeah. At least that was me when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you play golf. Um, you know, and the kind of beautiful thing, well, so the LED lights, now, is it kind of like Petco where they can turn them on? Like the beginning of the Petco game or a Padre game, you know, they're flashing, they're all da, 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 da. so it's kind of a production. Is that going to happen? It, it can definitely cause epilepsy. I mean, yes. It right. can... Awesome. <laughs> I mean, not the epilepsy part. But, That's going to yeah. be on the back of the ticket, right? May cause. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what about, in the, are there any uh, food and menu changes? We got to talk about menu. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that we're trying <laughs> trying to walk through right now is that uh, it, it is the guidelines because everything's going to have to be um, delivered to seats. Oh right. So um, that is uh, that's our I want to say a challenge, but that's not something that we were designed to do yeah. uh, with our current POS system. So we're making some changes there. Um, and, and I think the good thing is is that a lot of those changes will carry over. So that way, you know, once things are back to no, you know semi normal, you can you know keep a lot of those technology pieces where people can order from their phone and come up and pick it up. Um, we can do that, but you know, the, the, the tap room is, is kind of playing with our menu and pioneering the menu before we even need to. So, you know, uh, Luciano is our, is our head chef. Yeah. He comes from, uh, uh, Wilson Creek, um, uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, Jason Wise, he, he's, he's a, our food, for food service operator and he's, he's been doing it for ever. And, you know, he, again, they, they were crushed last night or night before last with, uh, the uh, Queen Nation group, and, and they just handled it like champs. So I mean, you know, uh, go to our go to our uh, our uh, website webpage diamondtaproom.com, and you can see all the cool menu items and everything like that all on there. Yeah, every uh, year we we see the big news about the the major league ballparks, and they're coming out with this foot and a half long hot dog with fourteen things on it, and then you look at the menu and it's twenty seven dollars. And that's one of the nice things about coming to a game at a major league ballpark is that, that isn't the case. And so there's always reasonable food options like the wife and i we found that the, there was a togo stand i don't know if you guys are still going to have that but we were able to go get a large sandwich for a fairly reasonable price and split it between the two of us uh, and you, so you have some creative food options but you still have the basics that are if you want to take the, the family to a game it's you know for 50 bucks you can do it what's the what's the dough thing again it's the um it's the, the fried dough what, what's that called again like the, the waffle, fun, funnel cakes? Funnel, the funnel ah, cake? Yeah, just have the funnel cake. Like, you, you got me and my wife's soul. Like, that's all we really want. Is... <laughs> so I heard Thunder and Mini Thunder mentioned. Uh, they're going to be featured again this year? Uh, Thunder has, you know, continued to be part of our show throughout um, the, you know, in the entire 2020 um, in relation to the movies. So definitely Thunder is, is, you know, everybody loves him. He's not going anywhere. Um, Mini Thunder, as far as um, I, he'll be in our plans to have 
um, some on-site visits and, you know, we'll see how much we're able to utilize them through some of the restrictions we have. And same thing with jackpot. You know, we're not hoping to, to you know, make any changes that we don't have to make. So, um, you know, we'll move forward. But, yeah, Thunder thunder for sure is not going anywhere. Well, and there's, there's Thunder's parents too, like, right, Mama and, and Papa Thunder? <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Thunder is we, one of the we, best. We have what a, does. a lot of mascots that have, you know, come through over the years. That's for sure. All right. There's Nessie, too. Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. His official name was Hamlet. Oh, right. (laughs) Even though he was the sea monster, his official name's Hamlet. Because he's the Lake Elsinore sea monster, right. Yes, and and then there's, and then there's, you know, then there's the gorilla, you know, that was out on the the back. And Squirrel, of course. Yeah, yeah. Squirrel makes an appearance from time to time in our videos, so. (laughs) You need, you need to find an intern who is a former state level track competitor and bring Ace the Flying Squirrel back. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you know, again, just like Christine touched on, that the, the guidelines are going to make uh, our on-field interactions unique from you know before. But again, I think that the you know the production equipment that we have and the ability, you know, I think we're going to we've got some plans to really make it you know unique and also fun and still keep the energy up. And you know, while there may not be you know running around the players we'll we'll have some fun with it so we've got some good ideas do you still plan on having a nothing day yeah well we we've been uh, we've been kicking around the idea of a of a vintage baseball day and it's going to be our tuesdays uh it you know because of the way the new schedule works it's uh uh, we're playing Tuesday through Sunday the same team. Right. So you know we're playing. If we're playing Rancho on Tuesday, we're playing Rancho all the way through Sunday. So one of the things that we've been we've been kicking around the idea, and I think we probably we've landed on it, is that you know Tuesdays are going to be our vintage baseball day, and it's going to be you know um, a, a, a really about the baseball. You know, right. you know we'll have some you know we'll have some organ music playing, and we'll have you know maybe a you know guy with a bullhorn yelling out the you know yelling out the window about who's up next and you know it, it's going to be a less you know a, i don't want to say an inexpensive option but it, it, it's going to be you know really about just baseball just and, and yeah. Yeah, I, just baseball i, I see know, chrissy's not, not eyes light up like yeah we can afford that that's very well <laughs> when, you, when you said vintage baseball um there is a vintage baseball league and i think i've got to a game earlier a couple of years back where i saw the tail we end of game. Now you're talking 1800s rules where you can catch it on a bounce right. and all that stuff. Right? <laughs> it was like they had that, yeah. We they, did they have did. them at our stadium I remember. in 19. It was it was pretty interesting. It was pretty cool. Huh. So you mentioned the the change guidelines, and that made me think we haven't even talked about like transportation and and all that. So you mentioned the schedule change. Um, there were changes to log- logistics, and like if the trip is beyond a certain distance, you need to have a second bus and that kind of thing. Um, how much has that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys have have worked a lot of pencils all the way down to the eraser trying to figure that that stuff out. So you know, just yes, and there's still a lot of unknowns. You know, in its regard, um, we have some clarification on you know who's responsible for what as far as visiting team and home team and parent teams, and we're still working through all of that at this time. But definitely, the increase in you know the need for you know, more than one bus and, you know, the no, you know, the potentially no host families and all these things definitely are going to, you know, there's going to be an increase and, you know, moving forward, you know, from the end of 2020 and 2021, we anticipated that. So luckily we, you know, aren't blindsided with it. It's just a matter of, of working it out and, you know, working it out with even the visiting clubs to make sure that we're all on the same page when we travel and they come to us and, and, you know, we'll all work through it together. Mm. You know, yeah, it, it was, it was scary reading the first version, first right. version or three when they didn't have commuters on the, uh, on the, um, uh, in the guidelines. And we're like, wait, so now when we go to, you know, Rancho or, you know, or inland, we've got to have a, <laughs> we've got to have hotels, but that, that was changed. Um, you know, with Visalia being in our market, I mean, I know yeah. we had to, we had to, uh, uh you know the jet, Lancaster was a commuter, but it's it is Visalia is two hundred and fifty two miles away, right. so it, it it builds that other uh, you know that other guideline that we have to. But I think we're 
we're going to sneak in just under that so we don't have to fly them or do anything weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Didn't Fresno sneak in? Is, is Fresno going to be one of the high A teams? Or are they're, they're now low A, right? Correct. Yeah, Fresno is on our league. As well. Are they they're in the Southern Division with you guys? No, they're in the northern. North. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I got no. I got my my sister and brother and all live outside of Sacramento, so whenever we drive through Fresno, I'm like, oh, the Grizzlies, yeah. Well, to me, that's I I've made that drive so many times, but it's a big, vast expanse, and it's I'm just I'm just thinking about when do I get to Sacramento? So all the stuff along the way, I I lose <laughs> I lose sequence of what order they're all in. Visalia, Fresno, Modesto, just love <laughs> in Sacramento. Got it. Okay. In between, there's Lodi, but they don't have a game yet. But they've got uh, some they really good yet. wine. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we, we can't say enough about what the storm ha- has meant to the, the community of Lake Elsinore and, and the, the Padre fans. It's, it's, a, it's a great value for, for a fantastic farm system. I mean, like the past few years, you know, you can catch Mackenzie Gore on a Tuesday night game and just stand right there, right next to him and watch him play. And, um, what we talk a lot about here on the podcast is how much of a part of the community that the minor league team is to the community and, and what you guys done over the COVID, you know, the COVID, um, the pandemic and about getting food out to people. Um, were you also a, a voting site as well, by chance? No, we, you know, one of the things I don't think we did talk about, we have been since the beginning, we've been a, a COVID testing site in, in our, in our lower lot. And then uh, we literally just this past Thursday changed that into a uh, um, Thursday through Sunday COVID vaccine site. Oh, excellent. They were doing some vaccines on, on you know, uh, off when they weren't testing. They would do vaccines on the two days they were off. Now just went to straight um, vaccine site Thursday through Sunday. So it, it, it's, uh, you know, that's in that the lower lot, lot C, um, you know, they come down and do their thing. And, yeah, it's been great. So today's International Women's Day, yeah. and uh, today we have a C- CFO slash co-general manager. Uh, it's It seems like if you look at the major league um, front offices, and it's all men. I and mean, Kim Eng getting hired as general manager made huge hey. news, uh, but it seems like minor leagues are where innovation happens. Yeah. Um, and so it's wonderful seeing a woman in a position of power. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So in, in honor of, of International Women's Day, happy to have you here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, our, our front office staff is shaping up to be almost 50, yes. 50% <laughs> female now. I think, I think we are. I think we are. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. That's excellent. That's fantastic. So is there anything else that we, that we left out that you guys want to plug? Is there anything else coming up? Um, anything else you want to tell the fans about Lake Elsinore for the next coming year? You know, for me, this year is going to be, you know, definitely different than it's been yeah. in the past. We've got a lot of opportunity for growth and, you know, the, the innovation that, that uh, we've got, we get to play with and the fun, you know, it, it's just going to, you know, make the experience of the game that much better. And, you know, we're going to, we're embracing that and we're trying to be, you know, again, just part of the community and give yeah. back. So, you know, once we get back to it, the community continues to support us. I mean, that's that's my thing. I got nothing else to plug. I mean, we're doing drive-in movies and we're doing uh, uh, other stuff. <laughs> Go for it, uh, For me, you know, for myself, I just really like to, you know, say thank you to, you know, our ownership and, and our staff. I mean, without either, you know, we wouldn't have made it this far. And, you know, definitely a huge thanks to all of our fans. And as soon as we can open our gates, we will. I have one final question. It just came to mind. Um, you and our friends Katie Wu and Kevin Charity might be interested in this. There's a Kentucky Fried Chicken up there that has a buffet. Do you guys have any inside information that is the buffet going to come back, or is that no longer a thing due to COVID? No buffets. Buffets are bad. Buffets are just really, really. Come on, you're in the food service industry. I'm, you know yeah. buffets are bad. And it's a money losing proposition, especially on a college campus. It's just really bad. <laughs> Beyond that, they're just people touch the food before yeah. you get there. And yeah. I, no, no, no. Sorry, Christine and I go back round and round. I am the like I am not a fan of this. So. <laughs> but no. So, so they ask your question. No, I don't think. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending yeah, the time it. with us. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks.
Thank you for having us. Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone